rolling. We're rolling. We're looking at menus as we enter into the podcast realm. Is your guys' first podcast? Mike uh, and Jeff? This will be my second. Second? Yes. Who was the first? Uh, uh, Sydney with uh, Pulling Corks and Forks. Oh, was nice. His fifth guest on his podcast. Oh, Hell I didn't yeah, know that. Dude. I'm going to have to listen yeah. in on that. It's a, it's a pretty interesting one. Nice, nice. He had some really good, uh, some really good guests. Yeah, and, he does. He's he's definitely uh, broadened his uh, horizon. He even had uh, Menke on at one point. Oh, okay. Who's our, Menke? Our, our, he, chef. our chef. Menke, yeah. okay. So, oh, Brent, Chef right? Brent Menke right. yeah, yeah. is uh, the chef owner. Yeah. Okay. And uh, Michael is the chef de cuisine. Okay. Uh, okay. So, and this menu was actually designed by uh, Chef uh, Whitaker here. So, ah. And I've so. been a big fan of Chef Whitaker. We were just saying, it goes back, we met in 2016. Yeah, when I was working at uh, Flourish, I opened up that uh, hotel, or sorry, that uh, restaurant back in 2016. Um, it's in Fountain Hills. Yeah, it right. used to be Copperwind. Uh, now okay. it's a Darrow. So okay. it's gone through so many changes. And, and that's where you first met this yes, gentleman. Yes, and I remember yes. it was a wine dinner. Yeah. And after having his food, I was like, who is this guy? Who is this guy? <laughs> yeah. Right? He was so talented. And then um, I've had your food over at the Camby. The Camby, yes. So that's where I met him. Yeah. Is, uh, when I moved here, my wife and I moved here in 2017 from Boston. Okay. And uh, I was really like looking for like a really chef-driven restaurant. And uh, you know, I came across the Canby Hotel, which was the former Ritz Carlton, okay. which is and, where we met. And that's where we met. Ah, okay. Ironically okay. <laughs> enough, uh, her um, Christina and her husband actually knew me from Boston, from the restaurant that I worked at uh, there. Worked at one of our favorite regular haunts yeah, called yeah. Mistral. Which is called, called Mistral, and that's uh, I, I opened up Mistral in uh, 1997. I was with them for almost 17 years. I was their corporate wow. trainer. I'd worked at all the other uh, uh, locations and whatnot. So when I got to the Canby and Artisan, uh, Chef was the, uh, was the chef de cuisine there. And uh, we were, uh, he was working with uh, Chef Dashan Singh at the time. Um, and he was the chef de cuisine to, for him. And I was like, wow, this food, amazing. Like, yeah. That, yeah. So I... Uh, Really enjoyed being able to be a part of the professionalism and the uh, it, you know all the inspiring food that they were doing. Dream team. It was uh, really it was. <laughs> it was at that time. And, and then, I think uh, Kyle Kent was also working. Yes, there. Chef Kyle was. Kent too, who was actually time. my uh, sous chef over at Flourish. Oh, I did not know yeah. that. I uh, I recruited him. He was working over at um, Eddie Matney's restaurant mm-hmm. in Old Town Scottsdale. Shout out to Eddie. I just saw him a couple weeks ago. How's he doing? He's doing good. He's up in Flagstaff. Oh, okay. Nice. Yeah, and I, I brought him on. I basically promised him this, that, the other. And <laughs> we try. I tried to like produce what I said he could, you know, get working over there. But it just never transpired. Unfortunately, you know, I ended up leaving. Um, I actually went to go work for Enchantment Group um, and took on a executive chef role at one of their properties in the Bahamas. Wow! So that's what I did before I actually went to the Camby. So well, let's go back a while though. Like, where are you from? Like, where, where did you uh, grow? Born, up? born and raised here in Arizona. Okay. Uh, grew up in Chandler. Uh, went to Chandler High School. Um, didn't know what I was going to do. I was actually a tattoo artist uh, okay. out of high school, and I thought that's what my vocation Wait, was out of high be. school, like out of a high school, like, like at, when you're in high school, I was like still that was in your high school. <laughs> I was apprenticing out of the, out of the janitor's yeah. room. Yeah, hell yeah, I love that. Um, <laughs> but it turned out to be not something I was as passionate for as I thought it might be. Okay, and I happened to get a restaurant job, and I fell in love with that. Okay, you know, I was I well, two different kinds of art. Totally, right? yeah, yeah. Uh, but both both types of art. I mean, it's one of those things where, like, as a tattoo artist, you're you happen to be a tattooed, bearded man. And then when I, yeah. when you walk into the restaurant industry, there's a bunch of tattooed, bearded men. So you would work I at, fit. I fit right in. 
if, if that all fails at brewery, that's exactly. the next that's step, the right? Next yeah. step yeah. <laughs> well, full, full, full circle, uh, so I, I, I left the Canby. I went over and opened up Maple and Ash. I was in the opening uh, team over there. Oh, nice. Okay. And uh, I was there for, you know, since the uh, inception. And what ended up happening, you know, this crazy COVID thing came about. And, you know, I come back to work over at the... Um, to, to work there and I lost half my shifts. I was like, what am I going to do? Whatever. So back in 17, my wife, uh, her uh, girlfriend um, was friends with uh, John Krause, who's the owner of the Mick, and they were kind of romancing me about being their sommelier. I have a level two. Uh, I also have a certified wine educator and uh, they wanted me to come up on board. And I said, listen, guys, unless you have a brick and mortar, unless you got something going on, like I need to see it. Uh. It didn't come to fruition for them right away because obviously opening a restaurant takes a lot of time to be able to do that so especially what, during what, COVID yeah. Yeah. right right so then 2020 they opened up in COVID for the McBrasserie and uh, I came on board part-time working over at Maple Nash and everything and I, I saw what they were doing and like the genius behind the restaurant you know uh, chef uh, Brent Menke uh, he was studied at the Culinary Arts Institute in New York okay. he had traveled all over the world with the fortune 500 on their yachts and he fell in love with what's called uh, what he likes to call French colonial food okay meaning like you know when the French colonized different regions the food kind of followed what the culture was there with a touch of French influence on it ah, so he ended nice. up meeting his uh, his wife uh, his future wife on the, one of the boats and uh, she's from the south of France in Provence and that's where chef uh, Brent uh, Menke is right now he's in the, ah, their okay. home in Provence right now that's why he wasn't able to join us here because I know he would have probably loved being over here well I think that's a very good excuse yeah <laughs> right yeah. it so, almost seems made up if you didn't know who he was right, <laughs> right. so the, 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 he also fell in love with that pro- pro- uh, provincial style of cooking, which is, you know, keep it really simple, very clean ingredients, and everything like that. So long story short, you know, we were looking for uh, chef de cuisine, and I had known about Michael, and I approached him and pretty much was like, begged him to like, come meet Chef Branke. Yeah. And like, they sat down, and it was amazing. Like, the, after the conversation, Chef pulled me aside, and he goes, this chef reminds me of myself. And I could see the collaboration already, and it's been pretty much a, a match made in heaven. Like the, the like the, we, um, chef being gone right now, we've done a couple of wine dinners and things like that, and like chef has taken the helm, and this is his menu. Yeah, and, and that's why I think it's important to have him here, and discussing what we have so that we get an idea of what's going on. Sure. So, when we first opened up the restaurant, which was at, when uh, twenty twenty. Okay. Uh, I told the the the, uh, the gentleman uh, John Krause and, and Chef Frank that uh, this was the best soft opening you could have ever happened. It, it, it's called a pandemic. Okay, you know, <laughs> sure. we had an 800 foot patio, which oh, yeah. is great, and the community had been so supportive of us. So you know, like uh, uh, it's uh, the Scottsdale, like uh, they, they have their own website and everything about uh, like all it's 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 a, like a living Scottsdale living. Okay, as they talk and they uh, they basically just blew us up, and we yeah. we've been so busy. And, and so well receptive, like it's Which been, is, it's amazing. Where's the look? It, it's on Hayden and, and Mountain View. View. Hayden and Mountain View, yeah. okay. just off of Shea. Gotcha. Um, yeah. And you have a lot there. of regulars. Oh, definitely. That's what we're blessed by. Mm. Yeah, that's a great cool, neighborhood. The cool, yeah. the cool thing about it is that I love it when people come into the restaurant and they're like, "All right, uh, can I get a Tito's and soda?" And we're like, oh, "Well, you know, we have forty-five wines by the glass, and we have twenty-four beers on draft." And they're like, "Oh, you're only beer and wine?" I'm like, mm, "We have twenty-four beers on draft, <laughs> and we have forty-five wines by the glass. We're not yeah. only like, yeah. oh, I don't like to drink wine, or I don't like." I, I don't, 
listen, I'm sorry that no one has ever had the patience enough to show you a wine that you can appreciate. Yeah. So allow me to do that. And as being the son there, that's what I've been really blessed with. Yeah. And also the fact that, you know, when I moved here, it, it took me almost a decade to be welcomed into the, uh, uh, the Psalm community in Boston. I come here and all the Psalms are so welcoming wow. and so open. And so when I sat down, when I took over the position, I talked to the ownership and I said, listen, I really want to do something that we can do to give back to the Psalm community here. Yeah. Because so many people have that mindset that, that, that Psalm or the Cicerone, when they come to the table and they're going to suggest something, they're there to steal their pocketbook. Uh-huh. And it's like, no, they're not. They're here to enhance the experience. Sure. You know, the beer and the wine. And Jeff has a nickname it- to make that much more approachable. My wife gave me a nickname after I got my level two that I, she calls me her cork dork. And I kept it. So I, I kept uh, that have a double it's, meaning, by it's the way. T- yeah, it's got, yeah. So it's, it's, it's my title. I call myself the resident cork dork at the, uh, at the MIC. And, you know, I, I think that kind of takes away some of that pretentiousness that sometimes it comes along with it, you know? Sure. Because they, they, they see the pins, they see the tie, they see whatever it might be. And they're like, okay, who's this guy come to the table? And what's amazing is we uh, started uh, Sombra, which you'll see the belt in front of you. Um, Heavy belt. Yeah, that's, that's this is real le- that's legitimately a, a, a title belt yeah. from boxing, yeah. and yeah, we heavy. wanted to make it as like that uh, style, a boxing match where yeah. we do two psalms. So we started up Psalm Brawl back in January, and we had no idea how this was going to take off, and it would it just blew up. Yeah. We started with like 30, 40 guests a night. By the time we finished with the finale, um, so it was eight psalms against, uh, 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 going, going against each other head-to-head, blind tasting. The guests were blind tasted, and they didn't know not only the, what wine they were drinking, but they also didn't know what psalm chose it. So at the end of each of the tastings, they would just circle off what they thought was the best pairing. And then and after each coach. And it was so coach, fun. You know, you. Jeff and his whole team engaged everybody in it. So I liked, you know, when somebody would announce something, the audience would whoop it up or yeah. uh, we were playing eye of the tiger like we, we yeah we, <laughs> no, we, we, we had a we had a, a, a at the finale we had a, a ring girl come around with the rounds and <laughs> yeah. everything like that like legitimately we tried to really make it look like a battle but what ended up happening is that at the uh, finale we ended up selling out the entire restaurant and it nice. just became so popular that when we talked to the, uh, the chef and the ownership and we said, you know what, we should do something a little bit different. Let's play around with beer versus wine. And I said that it would be amazing to have the champion of our Psalm Brawl, who is an advanced Psalm, meet an advanced Cicerone yeah. and go head to head. The inspiration actually came from this book, uh, which uh, 2008, this was published. Um, this is uh, he said wine. Uh, he said beer. She said wine. So Sam uh, started up Dogfish Brewery, and uh, Marnie was one of the first uh, uh, women uh, sommeliers in the world. And uh, they got together at a collaborative uh, endeavor to be able to go, and they traveled to all the major metropolitans, pairing up. Like, think about this: two of the oldest libations known to man, yeah. right? Paired with food, and what was the best of the pairing? Now, I'm not going to give any spoiler alerts, okay? Because you guys can read the book, whatever. It's an older book, and it, you know it's been around for a while and whatnot. But what's really cool, what do you think won? Who do you think was the best? Who do you think won beer versus wine back in 08 when they were doing this stuff, right? Are you really asking us? Yeah. I think beer. Yeah. Well, I think with your the way you couch the question, I think beer, too. Yeah. <laughs> I would argue beer. 
right down the middle. Oh, he tricked us. Son of a gun. That wasn't an option. It's insane. Isn't it amazing to think about that? You know, like two of the oldest libations, like, and people were divided equally throughout all these tastings. And they went to 30 different metropolitans doing this. And they came with the same results pretty much at every one of them. It would be divided maybe like by one or two people or what it would be bad. But I mean, other than that, it was pretty much completely divided equally. That says it all. Yeah. It it shouldn't be this or that, this and that. Mm hmm. Right. Well said, Eric. Yeah, thank well you. said. And thank that's you. why, <laughs> that's why you guys put together books. That's right. Because <laughs> because of this stuff, the inspiration like between revenge. the two of you guys, and like thank why you. I love being able to sit down with you guys. Because I mean, here we have Arizona Beer Book. I had no idea of all this stuff that existed yes. here <laughs> without reading this. And now I've like seeked out these different you know uh, products and 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 tasting these different. Well, I beers. think that's why thank we you. each wrote it to support the community and get the word out about. Oh, for sure. Know, I tell people Arizona is so special. And it kind of goes under the radar. I feel like people are paying more attention, but yeah. I mean, well, the like you said, riches the, we have here. Yeah. Well, like you said, with the like the Psalms here, compared to when you were in Boston, completely different yeah. world, right? So open and yeah. stuff like that. And you know, and when I first moved here, there was like maybe sixty wineries here five years ago. Okay. They're already up to one hundred and twenty-five wineries now. Wow. Like it's crazy how exponentially fast this whole like market has been moving yeah. you know and i feel be i feel blessed being a part of it and to see the evolution that it's taken you know and i mean we're not going to be necessarily focusing on arizona wines or arizona beers in this tasting and yeah. in this competition sure. i said but i think it's really great that we kind of take note of this that right here in this valley in arizona like how we are blessed to have so many different varieties and choices, whereas other parts of the country and stuff like that, I think that people haven't seen this much variety and, yeah. and uh, that, that's out there. And yeah. what they're playing with and stuff that they're doing, you know, like, you know, I, the, we can go on about all the wineries, we can right. go on about all the breweries. And I think it's really awesome that Phoenix Brewery allowed us to be here. For sure. Uh, I would love to have been at the MIC, but we're going through renovations right now because we're closed for the next yeah. week because uh, Chef's gone and, and we're going through a bunch of stuff. But I think it's awesome that they were like, oh, yeah, come on, hang out with us here. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's like, my first time here. Yeah, I haven't been here spot. before. Yeah, really and you talked tremendous. about how fun everything is. For you, do, developing this menu, was it a lot of fun? Of course. Every, uh, every menu I make is fun. You know, like I try to create food that is going to be unique, um, not just for that night, but just in general. Um, I want people to, like, they're coming for a one-night-only experience. You know, if they have a great experience and they eat really good food, they're going to come back to the restaurant right. when there's not an event well going on. Yeah. So. What was the inspiration behind the menu, Chef? Because I know that you know, we talked a lot about what we were going to do here. But like, if you look at the different courses and stuff like that, I think that there's very unique like, differentials in each of the courses that go, can go both ways. Yeah, and you know? that was on purpose. Like, I made some dishes that I thought were more geared towards wine, some dishes that were geared towards beer gives the other uh, person a more of an opportunity really to like yep. really kind of think about what they're going to pair that dish with and uh, I think that's something unique um, you know because you know when you look at it you know the pretzel bagel I mean obviously that's geared towards beer you know, and you look at it you got a smoked pork cheek you got a short rib crepe that could go either way I feel like mm-hmm. um, so you know it's going to be pretty interesting to see what everybody comes up with to we're pair with those, those guys on in a minute and see what the hell you're, we're going to have you go through the menu and oh, see him sweat. Yep. It's already warm back here anyways, but we're oh, going to make no. him sweat a little bit more. <laughs> I mean, it's not uh, July 1st or anything, right? <laughs> Summer in AZ. Oh, yeah. yeah. 
Uh, well, no, you know, what, what I think is really awesome is uh, uh, I saw this article about, you know, how the pandemic has changed, like, the, the dining experience, and people want an experience, really, right? And when you were describing how, you know, the Sombrawl was, and people were engaged, and you were playing great, that's an experience, right? Like, it's not just sit down, here's this great food, shut up and eat it, you know? Well, no, Eric, it's, but back in the day, like, dinner was the second, like, dairy thing to an event, Sure. So back yeah. in the day, it would be like, all right, we're going to the theater, but we're going to have dinner before the theater. Yes. Now, the dinner is the theater. Right. It is the event, you know, and that's what's really cool about what we're able to do and what we're empowering our guests to, like, have that experience. And, and the fact that by the end, you had sold out the entire restaurant. I yeah. mean, think of that. You were doing something right. Yeah, it was so much fun. And I, I'm looking forward to doing the same thing with this event. Yeah. I really think that we have that capability. And we'll be we, there, right, Eric? We, Heck yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. I'm, I'm already drooling at the... <laughs> I know. Beer, wine, doesn't matter. It's the food I'm hoping we sell this is. out, you know? Because yeah. yeah. if we can close down the restaurant and execute this, I mean, it will be flawless. Yeah. Right I wouldn't you know. be surprised if you... you know, we're we're usually, well on our way. Yeah, usually we're doing these events simultaneously with service. Mm. So, you know, it makes it a little more difficult, but at the same time, it gives sure. us a challenge. Right. Let's sell this thing out for sure. Yeah. Well, now before we get these guys on, uh, what's the the quick uh, elevator, uh, the, the mech? Like, what is the mech? Like uh, the rest of the year besides the, you know, the brawls. Yeah. So uh, one of the things that we do, we do wine Wednesdays. Okay. Um, so it's midweek. We bring in wine makers. We bring in distributors. We bring in uh, wine reps, and we try to do either uh, cultural immersion, or we do some kind of like uh, in-depth. Uh, uh, profile of the wineries, whether okay. or not we have the winemakers there. Yeah. Um, during the week, one of the things that we really like to specialize in, we've got live music on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Uh, Jesse Venezuela blesses us with his presence. He's uh, one of the founders of the Gin Blossoms. He's uh, oh, um, the guitarist and also, yeah, he wrote uh, Hey Jealousy, which nice. is in the top uh, one, Billboard's top 100. And he Does comes he have to have permission a... to play it? Because <laughs> <laughs> he wrote it? Right, yeah. <laughs> like the Gem Blossoms on us. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, yeah, we're, we're, we have some amazing live music on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Uh, we're booked like, throughout the week. But what's really cool about what we can do is, again, on that beer and wine aspect of things, is like yeah. you walk into that restaurant and you're like, listen, I want a beer that's going to pair with this. I want a wine that's going to pair with this. Awesome. Instead of doing that six-ounce pour or that eight-ounce pour that we're going to be doing for you or 12-ounce pour, like it, we can pour you a portion and do tastings with you, yeah. and we can walk you through the menu. So you're not getting hammered, you know, but you're also getting to see how that beer and that wine can enhance your experience and how it complements the meal. And our staff there is completely versed in like being able to guide you through that menu. And we also have 305 bottles by the list as well. Uh-huh. In addition to that, so if there's not that stuff, and we've got probably another like. 50 cans of beer the can display the cans that that cooler is impressive very impressive yeah yeah Yeah. you don't see that often in that type of setting right right, like world-class food with the coolers with the cans and the best part about it all is we also have a retail license which means that if you like something and you want to take it home it's yours to take home and there's people if you're not in industry and you don't know what on-premise and off-premise means I'll explain it to you really quick, all right? So on-premise means that you, when, you, when you're there, you have to consume your drink at the restaurant. And okay. then you can go home, and you can't have it after that. And there's some uh, wineries, like, for instance, Frank Family Wines just took themselves out of retail and put them only on to in-restaurants. So they've completely moved away because their production isn't that high. Yeah. So if you want to, and then there's off-premise, that's when you go to Total Wine, you buy it, you take it home, and you drink it at home. 
What's amazing is we have that on-premise, and we can also sell at retail. So if it's in I a think restaurant... I the last time I was there, you hooked me on that rosé. Yes, And I exactly. came home with two bottles. That's brilliant, actually. <laughs> and like it's only allocated to restaurants, yeah. and you can't see it anywhere else. And that's what we're really excited about. And our guests are so cool because we give them... So I, give them, I actually give them my personal sell. And I'll get text messages from guests being at a restaurant and be like, can you get this? Yeah. And like, absolutely. And they come back <laughs> in, and like, if you buy a case of, of a, 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 an unco case of the same label yeah. we do a 10% discount on top of that all yeah. too so it's really cool because we really get our guests who like that the total wine buyers and all in the in the Costco uh, wine buyers and stuff come to us we might be within like a dollar or so of like difference in pricing yeah. but they really come in and support us because they like the fact that you can taste the wine before you purchase it you got you, you can taste the beer Exactly, yeah, yes. and that and that's part of the experience, Eric. Yeah. You know, and yeah. that's what I think is so awesome that we we have this opportunity where it's like, come in, we, we have a money back guarantee. You come into the restaurant, you don't like the wine, you don't like the beer, that's fine. Send it back. We'll drink it later. Yeah, it's, <laughs> you know, so. not that much later. Right? <laughs> He's not lying there. He's not lying. As long as it takes to get it back to Mike in the in the in the kitchen, right? <laughs> yes. Yes. It's like, yes. hey, make a sauce out of this. Yeah, yeah. sure. Okay. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> sauce is done. Oh, that's great. Uh, we need to make a beer together. Sauce is done, right? Like mm-hmm. that's one of my gifts. Is I just have beer names that come to me, right? Someone told me the other day they're also good band names. If I want, you know. Oh right. But my chances of making a beer is much greater than being in a band. So. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so all right. So with the Mick, uh, what about the food side of it? Like aside, once again, aside from this event, like what, what's what is the what do people expect when they're going to go into the Mick for food? So the restaurant is kind of comprised of food that is more French geared. Um, that being said, uh, we're global. Um, you know, chefs. He's been around the world. Uh, I've only been to the Bahamas. <laughs> but uh, that being said, we try to uh, influence the menu that way. Uh, he's got some items on there right now. You got some uh, Italian influence. You have some uh, Mediterranean influence. I'm sorry. Um, got some uh, African. Uh, Asian. I mean, it's all over the yeah, board. Vietnamese, but he does. The Vietnamese, belly. yes. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm trying to kind of guide it towards a more French approach. That yeah. being said, I'm I'm all about global uh, flavors. Um, I've, I've never tied myself down to any particular uh, cuisine. Yeah. Um, I always tell people like I'm a ingredient driven chef. Okay. You know, you're gonna give me something in, like you know, some eggplant, some sunchokes, some mint. I'll figure it out. Yeah. You know what I mean? Now yeah. I'm hungry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But no, it's, you, also, it's, you also have a very deep hand with uh, when it comes to chilies. And that's what I really appreciate too. You, you really know how to balance those things. I appreciate that. Yeah, balance is key in like when creating cuisine. Like you want your food to make sense, but you want sure. the flavor to balance itself out as well. You want you want that umami, you want that savory, you want mm-hmm. that sweet, salty, you know, you want it all. And I yeah. try to create like if you look at the menu that we put together for this actual event. It's got all that in every dish. Yeah, you know, and uh, it's try. It's how I try to create a menu or at least produce food. And um, the Mick is the same way. You know, we have very delicious items on the menu. Uh, recently, uh, I was given like free range to kind of like put out what I want to do while keeping some of our uh, key items on the menu that people keep coming back for. But, you know, I, I really want us to expand and just I want people to recognize it's not only as a wine and beer bar, but as a, a place to get a really good meal. Um, a dining that, destination. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, not just for dinner. You know, just, we're, in a, we're in a strip mall. Yeah. Like, it, it's, it's so nondescript. Like, it, it, we're covered by a bank. Like, you can't yeah. see. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? It, it, yeah. But then all of a sudden you come around the corner, you're like, oh, wow, there's a restaurant here. 
you know. And, and it looks so, so quaint- inviting with the patio because the patio is kind of foremost. Yes. Yeah, well said. I mean, it's everything from escargot to octopus, you know, to, you know, racamelan to tartare. Like, it's it's got anything and all things. If you can't find something on that menu, I'm disappointed in you as a human. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like there's got to be some, some guidance. Jeff will give you some guidance, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, there's got to be something there, you know. And then it comes down with that beer and that wine is that we've got anything and all things to be able to match and pair with it. Exactly. And it's I love that we are able to be able to have that experience for people. And it, I call it a palate epiphany. You know what I mean? It's one, this thing, this thing. When your mouth and your nose, they talk to each other, the palate talks to each other, and it all registers in, that, in the brain. Yeah. And you're like... Bam! You know, we're, we're driven by two physical drives in our lives, you know, our, our hunger drive and our sex drive. You know, you gotta make sure both of them are fed well. <laughs> Where are we going with this, Jeff? Where are we going? Uh, no, you're right, though. That is, those are like the, that's, that's what the, drives people. We're in the pleasure industry yeah. at the yeah. end of the day. That's Truth. what we are. Yeah. Well said. That's man. right in the middle. That is right in the middle. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. That's where he was going, I think. Wrap it up. <laughs> nah, this was great. Thank you guys for joining. I want to get these guys on. Um, well, well, no, actually, first, Christina, your experience with the Mick. Like, as a diner, as a professional diner, I guess we could oh, call I, you right. Every time I go in, I say, I wish we lived closer. But then they might not want us there as often as uh, we would be. But it's a type of place. We want you there every night. <laughs> well, and especially, you know, I, I haven't gotten to explore the menu like it's the type of restaurant i want to try every dish when uh, I go. Yeah, but yeah. um it's a place you can you're doing errands you stop by you go with your parents you meet a bunch of friends i mean it, it kind of covers everything yeah. you can go in and celebrate an anniversary with a caviar service which um i had last time or you can go and order those delicious meatballs you know and Ooh. a beer so the, it, yeah. it's something that appeals to everybody meatballs and beer that's <laughs> Let's do that event next, right? Meatballs, Meatballs and, beer. and beer. You can't go wrong with that one. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks, guys. Let's get uh, let's get these guys have been getting all prepped in the air conditioning in there. Drew's got his suit on. He's ready to rock. So, right on. guys, thanks yeah. so much. Anything else you want to add before Mike? You're going to stay. But, I'm going to uh, stay. Anything you guys want to add? No, I think we're good. I mean, this is going to be awesome to be able to talk wine about. Book. To, yeah. Oh, um, my Arizona wine book is available on any, you know, it's on Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, Goodreads, and also at some of the local stores here. Heck yeah. Awesome. It's Heck amazing yeah. that all these wineries, like, work so It's already out of date, though, with all the new wineries coming Isn't on. It? Yeah, I mean, but, I mean, it was awesome. Like, Volume two. You got That's to, right. Yeah. <laughs> like, sincerely, like, the relationship that you guys have with all these local, like, breweries and wineries, like, it's incredible to see how much they embraced, like, this publications yeah you know yeah it's so cool you know and when you read about it and you're like i want to go there yeah i need to drink this like why is this not in my life yeah (laughs) exactly that's a perfect reaction (laughs) that's where we're going with it right (laughs) yeah for sure awesome well thanks guys yeah thank Thank you you. thank you all right chef have fun all right (laughs) you ready to rock let's do it (laughs) all right so uh now we've got we're going to really kind of dig into what's what's happening, right? So Chef Mike here has uh, put together this incredible menu. And you guys have to uh, live up to the expectations of this uh, extravaganza they're putting on, right? Yeah, it's a phenomenal <laughs> menu. I appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, yes. <laughs> well, so uh, introduce yourselves first. Let's start with, uh, with uh, Drew over here. Uh, so I'm Drew Cameron. I'm a uh, certified sommelier, and I'm currently a server at uh, Cafe Monarch. Excellent. Excellent. Is this your belt? 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we were uh, talking about this earlier. We, uh, yeah, we had a little um, competition in the in the spring, and I was lucky enough to uh, to come home with the belt. So it was a lot of fun. That was the that so that was the one that they said the last night was sold out, right? Yeah, like, that's uh, right. Yeah, excellent. That's heavy duty shit, right there, man. Like that is that's a real metal. Yeah. Is yeah, that, it weighs uh, it weighs about ten pounds. They yeah. uh, they spared no expense. You know, it's a it's a, a Mike Cross to bear carting this thing around town. Yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah, you you look very ashamed of it as well. <laughs> <laughs> so, are you are you from just a quick uh, you know story of you? Uh, are you from Arizona originally? Uh, no, so I'm from uh, New Hampshire originally. Oh no shit! Okay. I, uh, yeah, I I uh, moved out here in 2007 to okay. pursue a degree at uh, Arizona State University and. Coming from the East Coast after experiencing a, a winter or two here, I mean, I was hooked. I was like, I'm not going anywhere. You got to drag me kicking and screaming. Yeah, was it was it uh, food related or, or or food and beverage related? What you went to school for here? No. So I uh, my whole life I played sports. I I always thought I was going to be a professional baseball player. I grew up wanting to to play for the Red Sox was my my ultimate dream, and then. When that dream sort of uh, fell by the wayside, I wanted to be involved in sports in some form or asset. So okay. I, uh, I pursued a degree in physical therapy, and uh, once I got my, uh, my bachelor's, I kind of did a cost-risk analysis. There was a lot of things going on at the time um, politically and, and changes in the healthcare system, and some people that I had shadowed weren't so kind of happy with the way things were going, so I ultimately... Yeah chose to go a different direction and I had uh, worked in bars and restaurants my whole life putting myself through college so it was just kind of a natural fit to kind of slide back in and pursue what I had already known yeah yeah and, and what like so w- w- how did you get to the, the laser focus of wine uh, it's kind of funny because uh, beer was kind of my first my first love I was a home brewer um, had always worked in kind of like lower level restaurants and, and little dive bars and beer bars and that sort of thing uh, it wasn't until I, I got into fine dining that I found an appreciation for wine it was um, I, I can actually like go to the exact moment wow. I, I remember it when it just kind of clicked because I never really understood it but it was uh, uh, January 2015 a couple nights before the Super Bowl, I had a bunch of people that flew in town for the Super Bowl, and uh, they were just balling out at this restaurant. I was working at Wildfish at the time, which is now where uh, Maple and Ash is currently. Okay. And uh, it was a wine that nowadays I don't even like, but at the time it was Cardinal 2010. It was a Chris Carpenter wine, all uh, all mountain fruit, Cabernet and Merlot, and it was it was decanted for a couple of hours. They left me about half a bottle uh, in the decanter when they left. I tried it and I was like, "Oh, there is there's something to this. It makes wow. sense." And um, it was kind of a perfect storm of events. One of my really good friends was looking to kind of take his uh, take his beverage knowledge to the next level, and he asked me to go get uh, our intro psalm or our, our intro um, with the quartermaster sommeliers that year. And he just wanted a little study buddy, so I joined him as kind of like a favor. Uh, and then I fell in love with it, yeah. and it just embraced the journey. And I've been. Uh, kind of grinding ever since so it's been about seven years now uh it's been a, a lot of fun now you're now you have to pair your wine with a pretzel bagel right <laughs> yeah yeah that's uh yeah that's uh, this menu is a lot of fun there's certainly some challenges and some curveballs um yeah. i'm just i'm excited to see what uh, what we're able to come up with and you know to compete against a guy like chuck with uh with his uh with his knowledge and his experience is going to be a lot of fun 
Well, Chuck, uh, yeah, I mean, the, I, I saw you pushing the belt towards him to uh, cause intimidation. And First off, I don't have a belt. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I do, but it just keeps my pants up. I don't have anything fancy. That's the true hero, yes. Well, Chuck, real quick before we introduce, as I introduce you, so I grew up outside of Pittsburgh, right? So right. when I started to get into craft beer out here, people would say, Chuck Noel. I'm like, I, wait, Chuck Noel? Like, you know, and uh, yeah. it's, it's a different one. A badass in his own in his own way. Uh I've heard I've heard that a lot. It yeah. Actually, uh, I was laid up years ago with a with an Achilles tendon injury, and uh, I did my some research. Turns out I am related to that Chuck Noll, oh, but no you've got to go back to to Germany in the 1860s. And our family, my family, went to Philadelphia. His family went to uh, to Cincinnati, Ohio, rather. Yeah. And uh, we parted ways in the 1860s, but technically there is a relationship. I That's still, awesome, though. I That's like to call him Uncle Chuck, <laughs> especially when I'm in Pittsburgh. It, oh yeah, I've never gotten a decent table though. <laughs> so you're you're uh, you're beer guy. Um, you're are, are you from uh, Arizona originally? No, I'm from Philadelphia originally. Okay, okay. Uh, born and raised in Philadelphia. Came out to Arizona because you don't shovel sunshine. That's right, New Hampshire, um, right? And. You're from Arizona. I'm, I'm from, Arizona. from Arizona. I have all family from Philadelphia, though, yeah. so we have ties. So I was born and raised there, went to the University of Delaware, fell in love with great beer while I was in college. Um, it was actually Anchor Steam was the first beer I fell in love with. And um, went back to came back from San Francisco to Philadelphia to Delaware again and couldn't find Anchor Steam. So I started drinking Belgian beers when I could afford them because, again, I was in college. Um, just fell in love with the flavor, that full-flavor beer. Um Worked in a variety of industries throughout the years. When I moved out here, I had the opportunity to get into the beer business. Um, been doing it for almost 20 years now. Uh, marketing manager for Crescent Crown Distributing. And uh, I'm in charge of the small to medium craft, specialty import, that sort of thing. And you are a certified? So I'm a certified Cicerone. I was uh, one of the first 100 certified Cicerones in the world. Um, Which is a, so there, just for the, for people out there, there's the certified beer server. Right, which is the first step. Yep. And a lot of people say I'm a certified Cicerone because they pass that first okay, step. Certified beer. Chuck server, would yeah. say bullshit. Right. Any effort you put into uh, to Absolutely. learning about beer is okay with me. For sure. Uh, you know what? And I, I did. I've been doing this since 2016. I took it, and I, I I got a decent grade. But I was the biggest thing for me was like, holy shit. There's a lot I don't know. I must have guessed a lot, right? Because it's, I mean, just to get that level one, you know, and I'm yeah. sure it's the same for Cicerone, right? I mean, it's, or for, uh, for Sommelier, uh, you guys put a lot of work in, in, a lot of work and time into that, right? Yeah. 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 It's, it's certainly humbling, you know. Um, the more I learn, the more I realize there's so much out there that I don't know you know in in wine as well as in beer if you want to go and take any particular one topic and go deep down in the rabbit hole it's infinite you can keep going and going and going and there's there's never any end so uh, i think that's kind of one of the things that drew me towards it too is it's just uh you know you're a student for life if you're going to be a psalm or a cicerone because things are always changing sure yeah because imagine you find this thing you're meant to do in life right and then you you get to a point where you're like oh shit there's nothing beyond that now you hit it that was the pinnacle. Yeah, there's always start over. behind. Just yeah. when I thought I had everything done, they came up with hazy IPAs uh, and you know shit. all sorts of other flavors and stuff. So now I got to learn more. I would you know? love to get Chuck Knoll's uh, opinion on hazy IPAs and even the evolution of his opinion on hazy IPAs. I continue to look for the meaning of hazy IPAs. Okay. I mean, I've had some I really like. I've had some that I don't care for, but yeah. uh, um, I understand why people like them. It's they're not necessarily my thing, but. Uh, 
you know what? I've had some I really enjoyed. Yeah. I think if they're an IPA first and hazy second, they're good. Okay. If they're designed to be hazy, and by the way, let's call them an IPA. Uh, yeah, not just because so we threw a shitload of hops in there. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Well, it's okay. a, yeah, mostly dry hopping, but then there's other stuff thrown in sometimes to make it hazy. Nah, it's it's not for me that way. Is there a, is there a hazy IPA of wine? Is that like rosé? Is rosé the hazy IPA of wine? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I'm not a, trying to throw you under the bus. That's <laughs> a great question because, uh, I, I mean, I will say there are certain varietals that, uh, in certain certain varietals that I don't really have a taste for. I can appreciate okay. them for what they are. Yeah. Um, I happen to be a hazy person, but I like IPAs in general. Sure. Um, you know, I would always kind of gravitate towards IPAs, but then, uh, you know, it, like the bitter is better. The more bitter, the more better yeah. uh, kind of mentality, the West Coast IPAs. When that started to kind of go away, I'll revisit some of those old school ones like Stone IPA and things like that. And I'm like, whoa, I used to like crush these. And now it's like <laughs> it's a struggle to get through like a couple because sure. of the hazy IPA movement. Yeah. It's been, you know, it, like they've gone so uh, sweet compared to what the, the palate used to be. In the wine world, there's no one thing that you can really point towards as that, but the trends are always changing. Okay. Uh, Like, I'd say the rosé sort of revolution that's happened in the last few years here is is relatively new to us, but in Europe, that's been a thing forever. Okay. Um, But, you know, it's always always an evolution. There's always more things, and keeping up with the trends is one of the big things. And uh, one of my main focuses as a psalm is kind of uh, pinpointing those new producers or those new up-and-coming regions where you can still find value because wine is getting exponentially more expensive by the year. Yeah. All right, well, we're going to pair those beverages with this gentleman's menu right here. So uh, even before we got started, I heard you guys both, like, Chuck first. You were like, what 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 am I going to do here? (laughs) How am I going to match this, right? So let's go through it a little bit. We'll have uh, Mike. I could just explain. be sandbagging a little bit too. Though, so you <laughs> yeah, never know. That is, yeah, that is true because <laughs> you guys don't want to give it up, right? So I guess that's a good point. So we'll have a chef go through the the menu and and I guess maybe in a general sense, what you would uh, share, what you would like. I can see Chuck's got that serious look on his face. He's like, I'm going through that damn belt, man. <laughs> so. Mike, what do we got here? So f- we're starting off with... Yeah, so with the first course, we have a uh, pretzel bagel. Um, and personally, I've never actually had a pretzel bagel. I just kind of... Right. Yeah, I figured, why not combine the two? You know, yeah. uh, you've got German heritage, a little Jewish heritage, you might as well. What is it that makes it a pretzel bagel? So we're definitely going to do a, um, like a pretzel-style dough. Okay. Uh, shape it in the form of a, uh, excuse me, bagel. Yeah. Uh, we'll... Boil it as you would in uh, honey water, okay. and then we're going to bake it off in the oven um, and get a nice crust on it, get a nice sheen. Um, so it should be very reminiscent of a pretzel in general if okay. you were eating it blindly, Yeah, uh, but it'll be the shape of a bagel. For, uh, that's convenience, dude. You made a plate out of a pretzel. Yeah, we wanted to, <laughs> I wanted to compartmentalize the dish a little bit, You know, make it kind of simple on our end, Yeah, but we're going to make it from scratch, so that takes away the simplicity of it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we wanted to create something that was going to have various flavors. You know, We wanted it to be smoky, we wanted it to be creamy, uh, we wanted to have some acidic or acid. Or acid. Uh, you're going to get that in the form of the mustard, you're going to get that in the form of the pickle. Okay. Um, so it should be a well-rounded bite, of eat, uh, bite to eat. Um, and then second course, we're going to do something. We're going to lighten Hold it on, up. Let's, we'll, we'll go to the first one. We're okay. going to yeah. put these guys on the spot and have them see <laughs> what they'll tell. So now you had mentioned, though, so you add in the – now, 
keep in mind, this will be for this will be on the Tap That AZ podcast, right? So this is more of a beer centric audience, right? Yes. Uh, more than our, our food audience with the taste of AZ. So just in a general sense, like what you you mentioned the acid aspect of it, like what 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 why the connection of the two? Like what what's the importance of bringing that in? So for me, for uh, acid, when you're eating uh, anything that's doughy uh, yeah. and creamy, it's, okay. it's heavy, it's fatty. Yeah. So you want something to cut through that. Okay. And that's what the uh, pickles will do. That's what the mustard will do. And I think those two flavors will lend well to beer, yeah. which is why this is more of a beer-forward dish. Ooh, putting Drew right yeah. So it gives him an opportunity to kind of like one-up himself a little bit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So initial thoughts with that, with that, Drew. When you hear that put together... Uh, it's a really it's a really complicated dish in order to, to kind of find the right pairing. Um, immediately, my mind sort of gravitates towards uh, towards Germany okay. or some or some potential uh, Germanic influence area like Alsace or something like that. Um, with the mustard, the pickle, the bagel, um, we need something that has some great acidity because there is richness, there's creaminess, but also a smoky character. So I think that uh, this is definitely going to be a challenge, definitely a more, more beer-centric course, yeah. but uh, I think with a little bit of time I'll be able to come up with something something that'll uh, be really nice. So when you say you, you mentioned Germany, is it because of just kind of that fits kind of like, like if you go to, I'd say if you go to a pub in Germany, you'll probably eat this kind of stuff, right, Chuck? Well, I think it's similar. I mean, you've got the pickles, you've got the mustard, you know, the smoked trout, the cream cheese, you know, and, of course, the, the pretzel bagel. Um, from my standpoint, you know, same thing. I'm looking at, first of all, I look at this, I'm thinking, okay, well, you took away the, 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 the compare and contrast. You know, you want to contrast sometimes a beer. Like peanut butter and jelly, you want this, you know, that saltiness of, of the, the peanut butter and the sweetness of the jelly. And you've taken the whole opportunity to do that and just screwed us up with that. <laughs> I because, <love> it. <laughs> because obviously it would be a no-brainer if you've already thought about the acidity. So, yeah, yeah. But my initial thought, same as, uh, same as Drew, we need something with a little bit of acid still because obviously the dominant flavor is going to be the uh, – from the dominant is going to come from the bagel and the, um, and the smoked trout real cream cheese. So looking at something with maybe a little acidity, but I also don't want to go too much over the top because we'll have the pickles and the mustard on, you know, kind of complementing that as well. So it'll be, I, I've got a couple of ideas and I could go two different ways with this and I'm just not sure which one yet. Okay. Yeah, and okay. coming, coming out of the gate, uh, I'll just say for Psalms, mustard and pickles are some of the most difficult things to pair up with. Ah. Uh, so course one, course one's going to be a little bit out there but uh i think we're up for the challenge why why is it difficult because i'm not even going to assume that i would know <laughs> why is it difficult uh because they're very vinegar based and so when you have something like that when you have a lot of acid in a dish you want to go acid on acid but a lot of times in wine that when you go with something that's really high acid it's going to have the impression of sour and okay. you don't necessarily want that as well um, so you can kind of go sweet and sour and do the contrast that Chuck was talking about, but more likely kind of the safer bet is to do the mirror where you're looking to mirror those flavors and textures with whatever wine you're choosing. And so when you have something with cream cheese that has a little bit of richness and you have some starchiness, there are structural elements in wine that really pair to different types of foods and acid is one that really pairs with anything that's sort of like pickled or uh, really starchy and when you have a lot of fat like that cream cheese you need something with tannin but in this case I don't think a red is really gonna go well because you have trout so red and fish it's gonna taste coppery so right off the bat it's it's an immediate struggle but uh, 
But like I said, we'll go to the drawing board and we'll find something that'll that'll go nicely. Yeah, <laughs> Chef Mike's like definitely making yeah, it complicated <laughs> on them. You know, as a chef, like I can't help but feel or think like, all right, I want every component to like make sense. Yeah, I want it all. Like when you eat it, the acid comes up and it, you know mellows out that richness. And I can't help but create food that way, which yeah. is which is fun to see that it makes that more complicated for them to pair with. Yeah, which I, I assume you guys thrive on that, right? Like you want to be pushed. You don't want to do yeah. something easy. Yeah, yeah, right, hundred percent. Yeah. And you know what I what it's, and you know I'm very amateur at all of this, but uh, when you look at the ingredients, you also you all kind of forget. All right, there's a bagel there too, right? Yeah, you know, there's a there's a big chunk of like you said, you mentioned the starches and yeah, yeah. We're trying to combine like you know what you would put on a bagel and what yeah. you would put on a pretzel. Yeah, you know, into one. And somehow it makes sense when it's all said and done. Now, me as a guest, I get to go and I get to eat the bagel and I get to drink the wine and I get to drink the beer. And you get to decide which one, which pair uh, you like better. Oh, so man. The, Fate is in my hands. Now, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, this is awesome. This is, uh, I mean, I'm very excited. All right. So, just as a reminder, Monday, July 25th at 6 p.m., uh, we're going to continue with this menu, but I'm very stoked about this. So, course number two. Yeah, course number two, we're going to do an albacore tartare, and I source all our seafood through Trulo Seafood. Nice. Um, oh, yeah. This dish uh, will be raw uh, albacore tuna chopped up. Uh, it's going to be tossed with a lemon compressed cucumbers. Uh, that will give it uh, acidity, but it will also give it a little sweetness as well from your natural cucumber flavor. Yeah. Um, What's that mean, lemon compressed cucumber? So basically, you, you take... Uh, cucumbers you put some kind of liquid in with it in this case would be like lemon juice a little vinegar sugar salt you know obviously balancing everything out then you vacuum seal it and what happens is it it replaces the oxygen within the cucumber with whatever flavoring you're putting in so the liquid that i put into it gets gets pushed into where the oxygen is being taken out of so instead of just getting a cucumber that's which is basically hollow and full of water yeah it's going to be replaced with the liquid that i put into it it's going to give it almost a translucent look to it, okay. but it's also going to give it a crunch. It's going to almost taste pickled, but it technically not pickled. Nice. Um, then it's going to get served with some raw breakfast radishes, a little ahi amarillo, and some pickled fresno. So you're going to have a little spice in this, but I'm going to tone all the spiciness down with some sweetness. Okay. So like the pickled fresno will be a sweeter pickle. The ahi amarillo will be used, you know, Properly. What know. is that? What is ahi amarillo? So ahi amarillo is basically a yellow pepper that you usually find in Peru. Okay. Uh, it's pretty spicy. It's used in most um, aqua chiles or in uh, most cases ceviches in Peru. Okay. Uh, we're going to use this as a flavoring agent as well as just a spice component. It's a little fruity, um, a little acidic, a little sour. So you're going to get a little bit of everything out of that one item. Beautiful. Guys, I Chuck. love <laughs> I love that ahi amarillo. Yeah. It, it's amazing. It's such such a flavor bomb. Uh, you mean when it comes to relating it to wine, or just in general, just as a just, personal preference? Just in general, it's yeah. just a just an amazing pepper to use for spice. It has so much flavor on its own. It has a little bit of spice to it without being overpowering. Yeah. It's just it, it's amazing in in like pico de gallos, aguachiles, like he mentioned. Um, yeah, we have it on one of our most popular dishes at Cafe Monarch, and people rave about it every single day. Yeah, yeah. So you got some experience then. You got a little bit of you, you've paired with it before. Yeah, right. All right. So round one with the with the pretzel was Chuck, right? That's uh, <laughs> you know, 
not guaranteeing a win for you, Chuck. But <laughs> no, no, I, I, th- I think he could be sandbagging me too. I'm not sure. Drew's possibly sandbagging as well. Right. So round number two, right? You you come into this to this dish and and you pair it with something that I would assume is something that stands out in this dish, right? So it's something that you got to really take into consideration when you're pairing it, yeah. right? So with the experience. Where, yeah. without giving up too much, are you going with this, Drew? <laughs> yeah, so uh, with albacore tartare, um, you know, we have we have uh, a raw fish that's a little bit on the fattier side, so we need, once again, we need some acid, uh, and we need a little bit of something with some sweetness uh, to, to make up for that ahi amarillo and the pickled fresno. So I think that there's uh, there's one varietal that this, just, that this dish screams for. It just happens to be one of my, my personal favorites, so I'm excited about it this course i think i already yeah. i've got a great idea what i'm going to do <laughs> chuck yeah, um same family we have the fattiness of the fish so i, I probably want to go something with a little more a little more alcohol content uh maybe a little more body but i also have the spiciness so i'm probably going to do a little, something with a little hops to bring it down a bit mild spicy mild hops um uh and again people hear hops they think ipa but there's so many great beers that use hops that don't that aren't ipas yeah. i'm leaning towards a towards a, a belgian some sort of belgian pale maybe a triple or something here yeah that has maybe a little hop profile um something that'll balance everything out a little bit and and uh, i certainly want some carbonation because when you're dealing with spice one of the things carbonation helps does is it helps cleanse the palate okay uh, one of the things i've always thought that beer has over wine when it comes to pairing with food is the carbonation helps cleanse the palate okay yeah like activity going on in your mouth working yep exactly as well as that so now with the with the hops too um so the hops typically are something that go well with spice hops can go either way with spice if it's okay. really really spicy sometimes hops can intensify the spice and so too much okay but with milder milder spice the hops can help uh, help bring it down a little bit um sort of help kind of uh, almost kind of like that peanut butter and jelly yeah. uh, analogy i made earlier um kind of kind of just take a little of the edge off that yeah. So that's kind of the way I'm leaning right now. But, you know, we've still got a little time to finalize. Yeah. <laughs> I saw you taking notes, continuing to take notes. But we're going to put a book in between you guys. So, yeah. Uh, it's like, uh, what was the, what's the game? Uh, Battleship. You guys are playing Battleship with your menus. So. Uh, now, course number three. Dude, of all the courses, I'm, this, I'm the most excited about this yeah, one. Yeah, me too. Chef, this is what? What so, is this? So in the end, uh, so I'll just tell you what it is. So it's smoked pork cheek. Uh, it's going to serve with a corn pudding, crispy grits, and a blueberry uh, sour gastric. Okay. At the end of the day, you got American barbecue right there on the plate. Oh. You know, you're gonna ha- you got your smokiness, you got your acidity, you got your sweetness, you got your your, your cooked meat for a long period of time. You know, so you basically got backyard barbecue right there. Um, pairing it with corn pudding, you know, summertime. Uh, we can just basically make like a corn custard. Okay. Uh, that'll be chilled. It'll actually cool down the dish a little bit. Add some nice uh, creaminess and fattiness to it. Uh, the grits themselves, I'm literally going to make like a pan of grits, chill it, dice it up into like like cubes, and yeah. deep fry it. So you end up having these little hot morsels of creamy grits that are also crispy. You had me at grits. Yeah. Then you had me twice at crispy grits. Yeah. And then you had me three times at cube. Yeah, you, you just can't go. <laughs> if you could just throw you a little know? bacon in there. We'd be <laughs> yeah, all. Yeah, you know what? Well, you know <laughs> what? With the smoked <laughs> with the smoked uh, pork cheek, you won't even need the bacon. Fair enough. Oh, for yeah. sure. For sure. What? And keep going because this I'm really interested in this because this and is then like the, the sauce, blue, right? Yeah. And then blueberry sour gastric. Uh, there's this particular beer company I like that I'll be purchasing their blueberry uh, sour from. 
I'll reduce that down, add sugar, vinegar, a little salt, maybe some spices. Yeah. Just cook it down, call it a day. I mean, it's going to be a room temperature sauce, but it's it's going to be umami. You know, it's one of those things yeah. where, like, it will pair with anything. You is know? it? i got to ask you this. So yes. is it an Arizona brewery? It is an Arizona brewery. Is it a Crescent Crown? It is brewery? not Crescent Crown. It's College Street? tell you later <laughs> the reason i asked oh you got college we have college street yeah, yeah. I, was, I was wondering if it was that that one but uh, the beer to guard very sour to guard i think is what it's called uh, uh, uh no it's um vivo regard yeah okay is that how you from, say it's it? kind of from the Willy wonka pilot uh, regard yeah. who eats the uh the i love that sour. Up, yeah love that I'm, I'm glad it's a crescent crown product but the reason i asked is because i love that beer and I might uh, shadow you to figure out how to make that sauce. Okay, absolutely. That, that would be like a feather in my cap at the backyard barbecue. I'll give you a bottle. How about that? <laughs> Sweet, dude. So like you there said, you it's, it's backyard barbecue, right? Yes, like it is. It's, it's smoked pork cheek with, with yeah. yes. And this is one of those courses where I feel like uh, it can go either way with the beer or the wine. You know, I think, yeah. I think both guys are going to be able to have fun with that dish. Chuck? Yeah, you know, you can have fun with it, but it, it's challenging because barbecue, I mean, barbecue normally would cry out for, you know, something a little malty, something to kind of clean everything up. You know, you think about having maybe an amber or something, but then, you know, you look at that, uh, the sour gas streak and you're like, okay, well, now I need something a little different. So um, while on the surface, it looks like it's a fairly easy pairing. There's a little bit of a challenge. This is actually the one I'm struggling the most with right oh, now. Oh, really? Okay. Um, I, 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 again, there's three or four different ways I'm thinking. And I'm just not sure which is going to work. Yeah. Uh, listening to, to you right now gives me a little more insight. So hopefully I'll I'll be able to narrow it down now. Happy That's what I'm here out. for. That's <laughs> what I'm here for too. To, to give you insight into Chef Mike's uh, mind. <laughs> <laughs> and what about you? Right? People don't think backyard barbecue wine. That's just. I mean, I'm from the Midwest, right? Right. So we, we don't typically think of. So. so, I mean, there's there's several different wines that are are easily pairable with uh with some classic barbecue just depending on regionality what type of protein what type of sauce whether it's dry rub or a sweet and sticky sauce or vinegar based sauce so hearing a little bit more about the blueberry gastrique i think uh that was kind of the one major wild card with this dish the rest of it's pretty straightforward we have uh we have some starchiness we have some richness we have smoked pork cheeks so we want our wine to reflect that smoky character so immediately i'm thinking roan varietals it's just a matter of uh where we're going, ultimately where we land. I want something with a lot of blueberry aspect to the actual wine itself and kind of uh, maybe a touch of residual sugar to bring out a little sweet sour component with that blueberry to kind of play to the sauce if that's going to be a dominant flavor in the dish. But you also want to have, uh, you know, something with a little bit of oak on it to, to kind of make up. Anytime you're, you're kind of smoking, pan searing, grilling, charring, anytime you have that Maillard effect, uh, in wine, to make kind of next-level pairings, you want something that has a high intensity of oak and charred oak in particular, or winemakers will call it toasted barrels. Yeah. <laughs> let's, not, let's not offend the cooperages out there. Um, but we want something with a, with a new oak component to, uh, to kind of stand up to that smoky character as well as a smoky element in the wine. And if I can get something that has a little ripeness and some blue fruit to it, um, I, I, I've got some ideas. Yeah. Nice. So, chef, as a chef... You throwing these menu these out and hearing these two pros go back and forth, like wh- what does that do for you with your creative process, right? Like, do you do you make things a lot, thinking how they're going to complement beverages or anything like that, or how does it influence what you do? If I was being completely honest, not really. Okay, you okay. know, I kind of let my sommelier take care of those kind of uh, questions. You know, yeah. 
for me, it's like I'm going to put out food that I think is delicious. Yeah. And in my mind, in my mind, because I'm a chef first, uh, the drink comes second. Sure. So I want the sommelier or Cicerone to figure out what should go with something along yeah. those lines. So it's kind of interesting to hear their critique of it as far as like how am I going to pair with a blueberry gastric because I, I mean personally I would feel like that was the easier one to pair but that, I'm not I'm not the guy coming up with that so <laughs> right. that's their job you throw the gauntlet down yeah, yeah. I, I think I, there's just too many options uh, for yeah. my world there's too many options I, on this so it's really just narrowing down to the yeah. best that's awesome I, I think uh, when you have talented chefs like yourself and you think about food in the same way that we think about beer and wine, you're thinking about components, at the end of the day, it's all about balance. And yes. this is a, a completely composed dish, right? You have, you've got texture, you have sweet, you have sour, you have salty, you have umami. Um, and that's kind of the way that we look at these pairings too, like whether it's going to be a complement or a mirror or a contrast pairing. That's kind of what we're looking for. We're trying to find out what that dish needs to complement it. But in this case, like they're already complete dishes, which inevitably kind of makes it a little bit more challenging because there's not an obvious factor that's missing. Yeah. You know, like a lot of times if it's something like a simple seafood dish, you could just pair like a really basic Pinot Grigio or like Sancerre and it's like squeezing a lemon on the fish and it's missing that like citrus acid element. But in this case, we're working with some really high-level, talented chefs, so yeah. the dishes are completely composed, and that kind of presents its own set of challenges itself. Yeah, I really appreciate that, really. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a good point. It's almost like you put it together to be like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish this book. Like, how do you come up with the right? <laughs> Part of me feels like I, I failed, and, and I should have left out a small component in every dish. No, no these guys no, want no, to no, made it too no, easy. Yeah, <laughs> these guys want a challenge. No, they and I, challenge, I think yeah. the, the difference is when you're doing something like this, where you, where I, for me, I have my whole portfolio to, to go after, you know, this is the way I want it. Now, if I'm working with one specific brewery, yeah. and I'm working with a chef, then I want to work with him and make sure, him or her, and make sure that we, we get the right thing. And I, I've had chefs I've worked with, which is very interesting. They'll look at the beers we want to pour, and then they'll just they'll create their basic menu and then season the dishes based off the beers we want to pour. Yeah. Which I think if you're working with a single brewery where you're limited, like here at Phoenix, you know we have X number of beers here, then you need to kind of work that way. But I think when you're working with a broader portfolio to pull beers from, this is a lot more fun and a lot more exciting because I can go in a bunch of different directions yeah. from a beer standpoint. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Well, all right, then well, that, that takes us to the next one. If I was going to choose my second most anticipated. <laughs> Course number four. Chef, what do we got here? So you got the short rib crepe right there. Uh, so this is going to be braised short rib wrapped in a savory crepe. It's going to have a Oaxaca chili creme fraiche, uh, mushroom marmalade, burnt leeks, and nasturiums. Um, so basically, you're going to have a, an unctuous braised meat wrapped in you know just a simple egg flour a little salt a little sugar crepe um, and then the creme fraiche i'm going to make in-house by fermenting um, heavy cream with buttermilk is that what creme fraiche is basically yeah uh, okay. at least the homemade version yeah, is. yeah. <laughs> um, and then i'm gonna uh, reintroduce some uh, oaxaca chilies to that to give it a smokiness uh, it's gonna be a little spicy but not too spicy again like i thought of this you know as a summer menu so that's why you get a little spicy acidity throughout the whole dish or sorry throughout the whole meal uh, so you're gonna have a mushroom marmalade so that'll be literally mushrooms cooked down a little sugar vinegar a little sweet element very umami um, burnt leeks we're currently doing that on uh, at the restaurant uh, we use it as a garnish but it's a very delicious 
flavor profile okay. that I think works very well with like red wine or items of that nature. Um, and then uh, just nasturtium, it's a little acidity um, that you get from a natural plant. Um, so what is that? Is it, is it a seasoning or is it like a leaf? So that's a, it's actually a, a flower okay. that grows and the leaves and the flower are both edible. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. A little, little grassy uh, citrus flavor you get nice. out of that. You probably look beautiful too, right? Very nice. Yeah, yes. yeah. All right. Well, he threw red wine, threw that one out there for the burnt leeks. Yeah. Is that what you're looking at? Yeah. I mean, this dish, uh, this dish certainly screams for red wine. Uh, it's just a matter of, of which one. You know, the spice level is really probably going to be the, de- the big determining factor. With the mushroom marmalade um, and the burnt leeks and nasturtium, you definitely want something that's a little bit, lends itself to being a little bit more earth driven. Okay. Um, so we're probably looking at something from the old world here, and we want something with some structure to kind of accommodate for that fatty short rib crepe. But the, the number one thing is alcohol can really, uh, can really exponentially boost that level of, of capsaicin or that spice level. So depending on how spicy that Oaxacan chili cream is, we might need to kind of go with something a little bit lighter um, that might not be as well with the rest of the dish. But if he says it's a little bit more smoky, then that gives you all the options to play around with. So are you waiting until, like, can you taste the day of and make a, like, a last-minute decision, right? Or do you have to call your rosters in it? Oh, well, we got to make sure that we got to make sure the beer's there and the wine's there. So yeah, yeah. No, we'll, yeah. we'll be making the decision early, and that's okay. Yeah, yeah. This is this is kind of we. So this is all kind of theoretical, right? Sure. Like yeah. we're we're choosing these based off what we're presented without actually tasting these items beforehand. So, and there's no way to you can't do the old bait and switch last second. Like, oh shit, I tasted it in the back. No, because we're going to be bringing in wine specifically for this event. Gotcha. So they've got to be cool. ordered uh, the week before. So it's a little too uh, hot to keep 20 beers in my car just in case I want to switch out. But uh, yeah, I guess so. we could do it, but, you know, whatever. Yeah, so it'll be uh, it'll be a clean slate for us both. We'll, we'll be, both be going into this having not tried any of these. This is all sort of theoretical based off of the sure. descriptions that we're getting. great. I mean, that's the whole part of it, right? Like yeah. that's. Chuck, what do you? What do you? And I, I mean, I, I, oh, I definitely want something earthy that's going to going to do that. I mean, the beer equivalent, if you will, of a of a, of a bigger red wine. Um, we talked earlier about how I've used some hops to, to kind of cut the, the spiciness yeah. of the of the peppers in the uh, the second course. This way, I'm going to go. I want to go differently on this. I'm going to do something a little maltier, a little sweeter, which will also serve the same serve the same kind of purpose. Um, I have a couple ideas on this as well. Um, but I do know I want something bigger. I want something richer. I want something that's going to stand up to this dish because looking at this, it seems like it's got a lot of umami, a lot of richness to it. Yeah. And I want something that's going to stand up to it, but I also need to cut some of it a little bit. So um, it's, this is going to be a fun dish, and I, I think I have a funny feeling this is going to be the best dish of the night. It'll probably be the toughest choice between beer and wine for both uh, for, for both of us. All right. I'll, I'll be the judge of that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll hope to see you there. One of the judges of that, yeah. Uh, all right, and then we uh, you wrap it up with uh, with dessert, of course, Chef. Oh yeah, uh, so we got a chocolate bread pudding on deck for dessert. Um, that's going to be an interesting dish because it's going to be served with uh, coffee jellies, uh, brown butter semifredo, and some anglaise. Uh, so you got again a very nicely composed dish. Um, I once upon a time I used to work for Cowboy Chow. Um, I worked with uh, uh, sorry Country Velador, and she owned Super Chump Sweet Treats. And she was known while working at Cowboy Chow for her bread pudding. Okay. And I learned how to make bread pudding from her. Nice. So 
I'm not going to say it's better than hers, but I'm definitely going to say it's on par. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I don't know how to say this, but that's this is the chop salad that everybody's making everywhere now. <laughs> that, is, that is the restaurant. Yeah, that's the most you, you stolen chop like salad four in the different places now. Yeah. Well, at least two of those were Bernie, so. Yes, exactly. Actually, it was his sous chef that created it years ago. Well, he Wait, took it everywhere, though. Of course. What is the story? Tell, tell the story real quick. What, what is the was? chop salad? Bernie Cantac was the chef who got the credit for it and when he started opening up his new places that chopped salad appeared in every one of them ah. and it's pretty good at every one of them but uh, it's still not the original it's not the original yeah. i mean i mean it's one of those dishes where uh it's it's texturally amazing yeah i mean flavor wise it's creative it's visually appealing and it has a, a table side presence where the actual server usually comes around and mixes it up for you so ah. it's got it all what's the coffee what are coffee jellies so basically, we're going to take brewed coffee, and we're going to add agar-agar to it, which is kind of like a gelatin. Okay. Um, it's going to solidify it and create a jelly texture. Oh. And we'll cut them up into little little pieces, like toss them in sugar. Like jelly beans? Kind of nah, thing. not like jelly beans. No. Well, maybe, maybe <laughs> I mean, I'm, similarly. I'm thinking the shape-wise as far not as... Not the shape, but maybe the texture. Okay, okay. Yeah. Minus the outside coating. Yeah. When you were in high school, did you ever use a Petri dish? Yeah, nah, bit. they never let me do that. Well, that, that was that's Agar Agar. They put it <laughs> yeah. that too yeah. to, to inoculate. So, I, I, interesting. Um, now, this is going to be an exciting dish, I think, from our standpoint. Yeah. Um, it's it's pretty easy on the beer side because this is total compliment. Sure. You know, I don't want sure. to play any games. I don't want to throw fruit out there because that'll, you know, that'll kind of compound some of the, 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 the it, not compound, but it'll. It'll take away from the uh, the rich flavors. If there so was some, a, if there was fruit in it, that might be it, right? If right. there was raspberry in it, yeah, you might do it. Yeah, even so, fruit fruit beer sometimes with dessert okay. don't always pair well because they can just get too acidic, too over the top. Gotcha. Um, but this, you know, definitely cries out for something that's going to complement it. You know, maybe a, a coffee stout or a, you know a chocolate stout or something like that. Something that's going to yeah. you know really just kind of complement that, bring the whole meal home. No wild ales, right? No. Not with this, no. <laughs> no, no farmhouse, no, no sours. Yeah. We're like going to go something big, sweet, malty, and yeah. probably higher ABV. Nice. And, and everybody then, home happy. Well, and that's kind of, and that's sometimes in the beer world, that's kind of like the crown jewel, right? We're going to hit you with this barrel age, you know, this whiskey Delbach barrel age, this or that. Right, those are usually the. It's not usually the the pilsner that you're. Yeah, I know. This this will be a big beer. It'll be <laughs> yeah. it'll be something that will. In my mind, it'll also work. It would work on its own yeah. as an after dinner drink or or a dessert or a standalone dessert. It just happened to go very nicely with uh, with this. My mother's favorite dish was bread pudding when when she was alive, and yeah. I never really enjoyed it until she passed. And I started trying bread pudding. I'm like, damn, I love bread pudding yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> That's a perfect one to cap off the, the yeah. night for you then, Chuck. And, uh, Drew, what about you? What, where do you go with this? Uh, so dessert pairings in wine are really tricky because as a general rule, you want your wine to be sweeter than your dessert. Okay. And there's kind of a resistance of a lot of people to trying sweet wines. So dessert wines, dessert wine pairings are always a little bit more complicated than something that's more of a savory dish. But with this having a really kind of strong chocolate theme, um, there's, a, there's a pretty classic couple directions you could go in this. We could go with like something like port, um, which would be the obvious choice, or he go with something a little bit out of left field like a Bonules or like a more chocolatey um, uh, more chocolatey like Grenache dessert uh, dessert wine. Um, depending on the sweetness level, there's a couple different directions I could go. Maybe even throw a little Momsy Madeira at it, but uh, What's yeah. that? That sounds great. That sounds like a good beer name. 
but uh, already has it already. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Madeira is uh, an island off the coast of Portugal that's known for dessert wines. Okay. Uh, well, known for wine in general. They make four kind of prolific styles. They have uh, a Cerciel, a Verdejo, a Boal, and a Mumsy. And in that order, they go from drier to sweeter, and they work really well. Um, on the sweeter end of things, particularly the boils and mumsies with sort of like molasses, caramel, and like dried fruit dishes. Okay. So with this having sort of a, a caramelly, molasses, um, brown butter, anglaise, and a little coffee influence, that could potentially be on the radar too. But I think, you know, it's it's really over, to, over um, or really easy to overthink it uh, when chocolate's the main theme here and chocolate import is like adult peanut butter and jelly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in. I'm in. Back to the peanut butter and well, jelly. I, I was going to say full circle, <laughs> right? Full circle. So, Well, guys, thanks so much for, for doing this. Really excited. This is, uh, once again, July 25th at the McBrasserie and Bar, uh, Hayden and Mountain View. Mountain View. And uh, this is going to be pretty badass. So thank you guys for jumping on the mics and, and giving people a little insight of. Uh, thank you for having us. Yeah. yeah. Appreciate it. Appreciate it a lot. We're going to yeah. have a good time. Thanks for your time. And, uh, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. We hope to see you there. I'll be there eating and drinking, which is what I do very well. Perfect. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Awesome, guys. Thank you. Thanks. Thank, Thank you, you very much.